Shit Platypus Says, Episode 57. Hello and welcome everyone, I am Lisa, I am a member of the Platypus Affiliated Society and one of your co-hosts of the Shit Platypus Says podcast, the commentary on the commentary of the left. This episode comes in two parts that revolve around the existential crisis of the party Die Linke. We did a deep dive into our German archive to provide some reflection and history on the question of what Die Linke is or perhaps was, as a political phenomena of the millennial left. The second part of this episode includes some interviews our member Nezam did back in January this year. He visited the conference of the fraction Revolutionäre Bruch that can be translated as Revolutionary Split. The fraction was founded from members of Die Linke and its youth organization Linksjugend Solid to discuss various strategies on how to move forward and to elaborate on the assumption that Die Linke can no longer be the political home for the working class and for the radical left. Groups like Revolutionary Internationalist Organization, the Revolutionary Socialist Organization, Workers' Power, the IMT and many more participated in the conference. Nizam asked some of those participants about their hopes and their political judgment. Okay, enjoy listening to this episode and don't forget to leave us a review. Hello everyone, welcome back to a new Shit Platypus Does Archive segment. Today I have the pleasure of talking to our German members Nesam, Jakob and Sebastian about the history of Die Linke that Platypus has been following since its conquest of the German-speaking area. And I want to warm us up with an elaboration of the ISA from December 2022, an article with the headline Die Linke in an existential crisis. Will there be a Wagenknexit? It goes as follows. Die Linke, the left party in Germany, is facing an existential crisis 15 years after its foundation. After poor election results, the differences within the party intensified. Now two camps are facing off with differences seeming irreconcilable. On the one hand, a wing around Sarah Wagenknecht, undeniably the most famous member of the party with her populist rhetoric, receiving applause from far into the right. On the other hand, a new alliance calling itself Progressive Left, made up of the center-left and the reformist wing of the party. A split seems unavoidable. On the occasion of this seeming acute crisis, we went into our Platypus archive to see how we hosted the conversation, especially on the German left, around Die Linke and how that related to our international activities. So let's start by catching the present atmosphere. Nesam, you attended the conference in January of this year where a revolutionary split from Die Linke was discussed by the sectarian and radical left. What were the ideas and arguments behind this initiative and what would you say led to this conference in the first place? 
Yes, thank you. So the conference was mainly organized by Rio, Revolutionary Internationalist um, Organization, um, which is kind of post-Moronite group. And the other big uh, actor was Revolution, which is the youth wing of the Gruppe Arbeiterinnenmacht, so Trotskyist groups. And they invited particularly the youth of Die Linke, the Linksjugend, Solid Linksjugend, but they also had invited other um, revolutionaries so-called revolutionary groups um, and yeah basically Die Linke has been in the last two years or something had a few particular crises or controversial issues um, for example one of them being a little Linke me too thing like there were sexual accusations against the Linke from within Die Linke which hasn't been worked through then of course there is the crisis of COVID, which hadn't been dealt with very good. Then most recently, the Ukraine war and the Linke supporting the sanctions or the weapons, sending the weapons, all these. And then, of course, there was the campaign Deutsche Wohnen and Eignen, where the Linke also has supposedly betrayed the movement by agreeing to, uh, to put an expert commission instead of really supporting it fully. And Last but not least, of course, whenever the Linke gets into government, into any position of power, they do classical capitalist state policies, including deportations, including privatizations and blocking strikes, etc. So all these issues, um, of course, I guess some are more new and some are less new, but it kind of accumulated now in, in you know, the full consciousness of the crisis, I guess, to the Links Partei, and this is kind of the the idea behind the timing of the revolutionary break. And roughly um, the main issue I would say that was to be seen was the question if actually it is timely. So I think most of these groups are do agree that the Linke is not so much a revolutionary road to socialism whatsoever, but um, it's always the question of the timing. So if we break now, do we have a base? Are we gonna end up sectarian? Um, you know, don't we need to continue the critical support? Aren't we gaining members? And all this stuff has been discussed, um, you know, going back and forwards. So, yeah, and in the end, I don't know what really came out of it. I mean, the positions stayed within this dilemma, I would say. Um, and we will see if anything really new arises. Yeah, maybe I should say that you talked to some leftists at the event and recorded um, some interviews for us that we will play after our discussion right now. And uh, to bring you in, um, Jakob, as far as I know, you have been at the Rosa Luxemburg conference the same weekend as Nezam made his experiences. And there were also discussions about a possible split, split within Die Linke and the Wagenknecht wing forming its own party. Maybe you can say something about that. Yeah, uh, sure. And uh, thanks for having me. The, like, the Rosa Luxemburg conference is the main meeting of the more, like what you, what you could call Stalinist parts of Die Linke. Um, it's um, like, it's also not just people from Die Linke coming there. There are people from like smaller, like sects on the German left, like the DKP, the German Communist Party, which was like the West German pro-GDR party. Um, but like the main bulk of people there are from like, yeah, the Stalinist wing of Die Linke, which also mainly supports uh, Sarah Wagenknecht in uh, many of her positions and which Sarah Wagenknecht in earlier days, um, 
not so openly now was the main figure of like so maybe maybe important to like see it like there's a bit of a trajectory to Zara Wagner herself who was like an open Stalinist in the 1990s and early 2000s and in these days like gives herself more of the image of like this this figure of like the forgotten middle ground in German society which would by itself be somewhat left populist or something like that that makes sense at the conference which is it's it's really big like it's 3000 paying attendants from all over germany so it's not it's not a small conference and it's held every year people come every year come to berlin from all over germany to discuss stalinist politics um, there and there was like a like a general big feeling of it's over now um at the conference like that like the question of the ukraine war like which was always framed as imperialism, the question of imperialism, was what finally pushed the people coming there to, like, I don't know, it's to the end of the line concerning Die Linke, um, that they've, like, swallowed all those things over the years, and now it's a step too far. Now they can't go anymore. And, like, I, I think it's important to say that, like, that, that those people at least have the feeling that they represent the majority of members of Die Linke. I guess there's also a feeling that they kind of represent the majority of society, but especially concerning Die Linke, they're like, this party got somewhat captured by um, reformists, I don't know, by the right wing of the party. And we represent the actual anti-imperialist, socialist, I don't know, maybe communist memory of like what what Die Linke once was was it should be, and of course all of this points to how Die Linke since its founding moment was a a very weird formation which like all of the German left went into. All of the German left got centered around Die Linke. There are people with very different positions in Die Linke, from like hardcore Stalinists to like more. I don't know, ecological reformist or whatever you want to call it. But like it's visible now and becomes more and more clear every day. And like that was also the feeling at the Rosa Luxemburg conference. That none of this ever was worked through, that those people like existed throughout the years and like had some fights and so on. But all like, their positions are kind of cons like were conserved for like 15 years. And now it's now where like new political questions arise, like around to the question of the Ukraine war, for example. Um, something breaks open because it's actually not possible or it seems not possible to like conserve the old unity anymore, if that makes sense. Another thing that we try to capture uh, with our panels um, the last month was um, also an initiative that D-Link started, which is the Hot Autumn. And we did a lot of panel iterations in Germany and also one in London, which was more centered around the Enough is Enough campaign. So there was the attempt to activate the party, maybe to activate the, the mm -hmm. electoral base in campaigning for a hot autumn on occasion of the cost of living crisis, inflation and the Ukraine war. Without talking about the Ukraine war, what struck me was that we changed the title of our panels from hot autumn and the left to was that the hot autumn already how does this play into um, the crisis that we do see 
today's. How is the hot autumn and the panels we did, um, how is this representative for the crisis that we encounter of the left uh, and, and D-Link right now? We, we had one of those panels in Berlin. The weird thing on the panel was that nobody talked about Die Linke. It was the big unsaid thing on our panel uh, with Die Linke. It was also kind of hard to get someone from Die Linke on the panel. In the end, we ended up with speakers from different smaller organizations. Um, we had, for example, uh, Markus Steiger, an activist who did like his, own, like his own smaller hot autumn project called uh, Heizung, Brot und Frieden, Heating Bread and Peace. We had like uh, two like left-wing journalists from different ideological uh, traditions and also a Trotskyist guy from Gruppe Arbeiter in Macht, one of the organizations uh, Nizam talked about that did the conference uh, on the revolutionary break, workers' power. And the, the weird thing really was that everybody talked about the crisis of leftist organizing and that it's impossible to get anyone to the street, which seemed very obvious to everybody on the panel like we tried nobody came everything was way smaller than we expected like we thought this would be the thing and in the end it wasn't and we don't actually know why and i don't know we, we had a panel on our last euro conference in vienna where we had like this irish marxist guy on it who talked about like his expectations for this autumn like this is gonna be the big crisis um, everything's gonna shudder. We will have a crisis in the heart of capital in Germany. It's gonna be really bad. And finally, people will understand that we have to, I don't know, protest capitalism. And what actually happened was nothing. Even less people than were expected came to the streets. Even the big demonstrations were kind of small. And there seems to be a big hole in the center of the German left, which nobody can really describe, which is probably Die Linke, the crisis around Die Linke, which causes... This effect that, I don't know, people don't even care that much about what any leftist wants to organize them for. It was a really, like, everybody on the panel was really honestly trying to think about this problem. But there are also no answers. It seems very, like, obscure to people why we are in this situation and why people just don't seem to care. I mean, to underline what you said, Jakob, is one situation we had on the Leipzig panel too, which was Tim, who um, jumped in as a speaker of Die Linke uh, from the initiative Jetzt Reichts. And he was like, okay, as, as Die Linke, we were very aware not to, to uh, formulate radical demands to um, not getting opposed by the ordinary people but in the end as we as we saw it doesn't matter what we what demands we we we, we pose and this speaks um for itself on the one hand and on the other hand this is a very clear and honest um, observation of what happened during this um uh, season we have also had some more sectarian leftists um, on our panels, especially in Leipzig. We had one um, Trotskyist uh, group, Revolution, the group Revolution, which is the youth group from the uh, Workers' Power. And he, he could definitely talk about the transitional program in this uh, case and try to um, bring in this historical memory to this moment. And then we had a more more workerist, maybe more Maoist uh, group. And they all uh, positioned themselves around Die Linke. So even if they do oppose Die Linke, they, they do center their, their discussion around this phenomenon. 
So one big question that that does rise is what was what what is Dilinke in a way? Yeah, I would also like add maybe to this that there's like there seems to be like in general some kind of exhaustion um, of like um, millennials more in general and uh, protest culture right now. And there's also like, I don't know, I would throw it out there. Yeah, the SPD is in government right now. And mm. this is some kind of like yes. aggressive effect on like um, uh, protest movementism in general, I would say. Uh, sorry, m maybe to just say this because it's important. Die Linke is in government, for example, in the German state of Berlin, where we, where we are. And... Like Nizam already said this, but I think it's really important to be clear about that, that Die Linke is not like an oppositional party in many parts of Germany. It has been a part of the government forever in Berlin, for like the better part of the last 25 years. We're talking about a party which has very close relations to the German state. I also think this is part of the exhaustion. This also po points back to like the, the beginning of Die Linke which was this experience with the anti-hearts protests, which weren't really supported by the unions and like the SPD for sure. <laughs> but um, mm -hmm. the VISG also discovered very soon that um, the unions played like uh, also a suppressive role, just like going just a little with it, you know? And there was also this moment with like the hot autumn that uh, the unions just said, okay, there will be a solidarity autumn or something like this and just suppress this thing. And also there was this SPD like move towards like, okay, we, we give you something with like some measures to take off like the, the heat. Which I would say like, for example, Rio thinks that, that this is some kind of like cooptation and I would like just to point this back to this question of like the split from the left what does this really mean like to what do you split you know because Rio has this like mm -hmm. idea of going to like the movements and really building from the movements but what does it say about when you still like are in this milieu of social democracy in Germany more broader understood with like SPD, Die Linke, the Greens, and um, maybe like this whole NGO union environment. You're still like very dependent on, on this like whole environment, I think. Yeah. Back in the day when Die Linke was formed in the middle 2000s, it came out of two traditions. One of it was like the then existing PDS, which was the what became of like the SED, which was the governing party in communist Eastern Germany. And the other tradition was like a split from the SPD, SPD then also in government, like right now, um, which formed around the anti-austerity protests in Germany in the mid uh, 2000s, the mostly unsuccessful anti-austerity protests in the 2000s, which were, to put it very Friendly, it would probably be that like it was like the part of the SPD which wanted to save some sort of like legacy of left-wing reformist politics, like which wanted strong trade unions and stuff like that, which were all things that were like heavily attacked during uh, that SPD government back then. Yeah, so we, we do have these, I would say, three tendencies that formed it. So Sebastian brought us back to the founding moment of Die Linke to pose the question, so what is Die Linke? What is this party? 
And if you ask those members, they do have variants of, of um, descriptions they give themselves. They, they call themselves party of opposition. Opposition to what? To the SPD, for example. They call themselves anti-capitalist party, anti-neoliberal party, socialist party, even if they do aim to um, democratic socialism. So what might help is a panel that we did um, in on the occasion of the, the last um, general election back in 2021, we, held, we, we did the panel before the election. And Sebastian, you were, you were highly involved in, in making this uh, panel possible. How was the history of Die Linke reflected by the speakers? To take a step back, I would say like, you know, we had this like, two like initiatives in the history of platypus in germany those were like the four interviews we did to the general election in 2017 and then also our panel like 2021 and we thought that even in 2017 the link was already for us in crisis and there could be like okay maybe like how long does this take and we wanted to make them their agreements, disagreements, and like their understanding of what this party really is and was and how it relates back to the history of the left to take this moment um, to deepening their the, the conversation on the left. And so, yeah, in 2021, we had like this, okay, it was all already showing in like the election results and also the um, discussions before the general election that there was like okay this could be like the last time the link is really making parliament or even just failing and they almost failed at even getting like um the in, in germany there's a five percent uh, threshold for uh, parliament they failed but but there's this like um there's this back door that if you have like free direct mandates, um, um, you still like get like the faction um, in the Bundestag. And but but we we saw this crisis already coming, and we conceptualized this panel for which we like wanted to open the questions with this historical arc that Jakob already mentioned in a way like what are the problems and like um, tasks inherited from the old and the new left um, by Die Linke and what was the significance of this party for the struggle for socialism and what lessons could be drawn from the last two decades on the left like we wanted also to make this problem like apparent in a way like what is like this transmission of historical experience on the left from this millennial left experience in the Linke? And so we invited uh, speakers like Bernd Rixinger, who was like the head of um, the Linke from 2012 to 2021, um, together with uh, Katja Kipping, and also has been a union secretary of Verdi, um, which is a German service sector union. And I think the second second biggest union in Germany. And then there was Thies Gleis, who is on the board of Die Linke, a member of the anti-capitalist left, which is the current in the um, Die Linke. And he's also, I think, a member of the ISL, which I think has like a Mandelite history, so also Trotskyist. So they are more Trotskyist who would say they are they were working inside Die Linke. 
and they have a long history of working inside also the SPD after the Second World War. And our third speaker was Georg Fülbert. He's a member of DKP, the German Communist Party, and a professor of uh, political science. Uh, he was a student of Wolfgang Abendroth, who's really an old leftist from like the um, KPD of the 1920s and later the KPO, I think, which was a communist uh, opposition party in the 1920s, 1930s. Yeah, he was one of the leading old leftists that influenced the SDS in the 1960s and was teaching in Marburg where Philberg became his student. And they were called like the Marburg School, which was kind of like, and, and the traditionalists of the SDS, that was kind of derogatory. And they wouldn't say that they are the traditionalists, but th this was the understanding of the time because they were like more oriented towards old left union and the SPD. And then there was Martin Suchanek, who's a member of like the before two times mentioned right now, uh, GAM, the workers power which is the sections of the fifth international in Germany. What I found also going back to these documents, I found very interesting, like how um, these questions of eco-socialism, the question of how to relate the social question with the ecological question and the Green Party was in a way like coming back. And I think this points really like to this long arc of 1980s social democracy and the Green Party, which were really like already the institutionalization of the failure of the new left in like capitalist politics in Germany, with like K-groups um, in the Greens. And on the other side, we had people like Gerhard Schröder and um, who, who became chancellor in Germany in 1998. And he was like a socialist student and the young socialists uh, in the SPD. And um, this, this program of the 1980s social democracy relating to the social movements, the new way. I thought that was very interesting. Also like how T's Gleis was very like flirting in a way with the style of the Greens beginning the 1980s, how they tried to circumvent like bureaucracy and like a permanent political like case in the party, I think. Yeah. It's really interesting, right? Like I also thought about this, like going back to several points in institutionalization of um, the new left in Germany and how like the first SPD Greens government between 98 and 2005 was really in a way like the government of the new left where like most like major members of government back then were old new leftists who in some way got uh, politically socialized during the new left and had like some some of them had really major positions already back then in like the organizations um, of the new left in Germany. And like the Linke came out of like a frustration with this institutionalization and like people tried to look, apparently we saw on this panel, look to a different tradition or like, I don't know, to salvage something at least from this tradition also on our panel with these guys, for example, who like talked about the Greens, which were like the first crisis of the new left in Germany, the first institutionalization. And for him, it was like a point of hope, of orientation, which was really interesting. There was also this like really interesting thing that happened where um, 
Georg Fülbert, so the guy who is not in Die Linke, talked about how for him it will become necessary if Die Linke falls in, uh, in the polls before the election falls even deeper, I think under 6%, he said, how then he will have to vote for them because they're necessary for the German left. This was like a really good, I think this gives you a really good idea of how everything on the German left is centered around Die Linke. Um, it's still like, the, it's the only thing that actually has any sort of like remnants of looking like something political in, in on the German left and people really, really desperately need it. When Die Linke now fails, and I think this was also really visible on this panel, there will be an amazing amount of disorientation on the left because everything anybody did, and it's re re really from any tradition, the Trotskyists, the old Stalinists, the anti-Deutsch, which we have in Germany, which is something different. Um, all of this really centers around Die Linke in the end. So so um, let's bring in Thies Gleis here personally. So um, let I, I will quote him. Die Linke is an, is an employment engine for many young leftists and academics who find employment in the Rosa Luxemburg Foundation and around the party and also provide new ideas there. So I think this is very, very hard anxieties that are at play right now where Die Linke does not achieve um, the votes to come into parliament. The other thing that I found very interesting was the exchange between Bernd Rixinger and Martin Suchanek. So Suchanek, there was this situation where Suchanek criticized Die Linke for not being a revolutionary party and what we do need to overcome capitalism is a revolutionary party. And then Bernd Rixinger has this, in his opportunism and so real politics um, horizon, he said, and I can quote this too, I can take Martin's criticism seriously and I feel it as big childishness. I wish him a lot of fun in building a revolutionary party now. For this, he does not necessarily, necessarily need to work on Die Linke. With a party like the Workers' Power, which does not have 10 active members, there is no need to discuss whether we are facing a revolutionary situation. We are not. And Die Linke was in fact not founded as a revolutionary party. And then he says that the criticism is nonsensical and that one, if you do form a revolutionary party now, all you can become is a sect. So this points back to the discussion that Neza mentioned um, at the conference, there is this idea of having a left unity project with Die Linke to form all the left tendencies into the party or to, 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 um, to get all the left tendencies um, active in the party or through the party um, to not become a sect. And then there is Martin um, Suchanek who says, okay, all we have to do is being revolutionary. So we have these two extrema um, at this exchange here. Um, and then there is Bernd Rixinger who is very honest about or clear about the current situation of the non... There is no possibility in, in making this wish real because there is no revolutionary situation right now. 
there was a uh, system change congress um, a few months back in Leipzig where some young SDS uh, students participated and um, there was, I, I posed a question about um, the idea of a socialist party because what they said is what we need right now is a socialist party. And I asked what what kind of party do you mean? I mean, Die Linke is in a way a socialist party. It has um, democratic socialism in it, in its program and then you have other socialist parties. So why why should we form a new one or what is the failure of the old ones? What did we learn? And she said maybe the maybe Die Linke can become a revolutionary socialist party. There has always been this hope that Die Linke could become something more than it is. And I think that this myth is very long-lasting since the founding. <laughs> you know, there's there's some confusion and I think something like maybe not not just confusion there seems to be active repression like of was the original concept of the linke um by its leaders like okay we have like these two guys Gregor Gysi and Oscar Lafontaine who are really at the head of the party in the beginning and like Oscar Lafontaine really said okay Oscar Lafontaine he's like Christian socialist new left generation who's really like a little outside but he's like he has some concerns he's sharing with the new left and and he's also like a a student in a way politically of uh, Willy Brandt who was like this um, old leftist who became chancellor of uh, Germany in 1969 and he was like this student together with like Gerd Schröder and the others um, of Willy Brandt. And he writes like this 1980s program um, of uh, the SPD and tries to orient the SPD towards like the new social move- movements in a way also. And, you know, and, and, and he breaks in 19, uh, in, in, in 2003, I think, after like the... Um, the um, agenda of 2010 and, and so on. He, he breaks with the link uh, with with the SPD, and he becomes like through the VSG member of the um, of the Linke. And he said like I didn't leave the SPD, but the SPD left the program. So you know he's really like he's committed to this like 1980s program of the SPD. And I think this is what really gets to the like kernel of like what is Die Linke. Um, I think Die Linke is mostly a protest of dissatisfied social democrats against what the SPD had become. And they tried to politically pressure um, the SPD and maybe yeah, get it to be more like in these 1980s-style social democracy, be more true to itself or another potential of neoliberal social democracy, what it could have become. Rixinger speaks about this with like 70% of the party joined after its founding. You know, there's this like the millennial left really went through this organization and changed it in a way. And really, in the, in a way, like this is like some some sort of suppression of this memory of um, mm-hmm. the founding moment and what the SPD was conceptualized at, and maybe why it has now become come into crisis because the SPD, in a way, has changed. 
at the same time, the Linke really has changed the left in Germany. Like, it's, it's interesting on our panels that, like, we have several panels with the Linke members, which also have people from the interventionist left on it, for example, which was, like, this organization founded in the in the 2000s out of, like, the anti-globalization movement, which then became the biggest, like, so-called radical left uh, organization in Germany, which really was, like, movement-centered, um, not even not an actual organization, but, like, getting people to protests against, I don't know... A G8 summit or something like that. We had people uh, from the interventions left on our panel on uh, reform revolution resistance in Berlin last year, um, who really reflected on this process, how through the years, through existing in the same world as Die Linke, through existing always like in relationship to Die Linke, they became from what they thought they were in the beginning, like which is this like crazy street-based uh, organization bringing together like radical thought and like street action, they basically disintegrated into a campaign machine for the Linke. In this crisis, everything on the German left, like all those organizations are also in crisis. The interventionist left is in a deep crisis. I don't know, Sebastian put it like this, like the SPD changed, like basically in like some bizarro version, what the Linke wanted happened finally. The, the result of that was not like the resurgence of leftist politics, but actually like even deeper organ like disintegration of the German left in the end through those 15 years of Die Linke existing. We talked a lot about the how the Die Linke affected the millennial generation. So what we do on Condor right now is the downturn and the, the recognition of the death of the millennial left. But I'm wondering... Um, how does Die Linke fit into our observation of the global status of the left? For example, with the DSA, Jacobin, Sanders, or Corbyn and Labour, and Syriza. And then we have this, so Die Linke as the democratic socialists of Germany, and I can't help myself to, myself to draw the connection to the DSA, so the democratic socialists of America, so what would you say, how do these, these political expressions of the millennial left um, play together? It does seem like all these left movements in the last 20 years, they're basically welfare statists. So um, when Sebastian says that it's, it's not Lafontaine who changed, but it's the SPD who changed, you know, like I guess the SPD adapted to neoliberal forces you know, privatization and all this stuff. So I think this is the a particular moment that the Linke shares with DSA, Syriza and Corbyn and whatsoever. And then maybe to add to this, um, even so now the aspects of the, of the revolutionary break, this is also something that's quite an international phenomena, right? I mean, the DSA is speaking about the dirty break of the Democrats at some point, also always, you know, with the question of when. Um, then the organizers of the revolutionary break, they keep bringing examples of, um, like in France, you had a break from the Nov Parti Anticapitalist, who was also created in 2009, um, also an attempt of welfare statism, I suppose. And then you have a Trotsky's break from that. Both the, the creation and, and the 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 way the Linke kind of, uh, the rise and fall of the Linke, you could say, kind of seems like, you know, quite a, yeah, one of those examples which we see internationally, with its particular differences, of course, but, yeah. Baska Zunkara said in, like, the early 2010s, 
what the idea behind Jacobin was. Um, he talked about like Linke being one of the inspirations of something that would be necessary in America. In a way, maybe that is what the DSA became. And in a way, it seems to be... The Linke is very different from the DSA. This is important because like, there's like all those... There are different ideological traditions in it. But on the other hand, it couldn't work anything through. <laughs> what would have been good about the Linke, it could have succeeded maybe if it would have been able to work all those traditions which came into it through. Like there was a possibility everybody on the German left was in this organization, like wanted to do something with it. But it never happened. It was always just about the next elections, always just about like getting the vote out again and again and again. This inability, sad inability to work through the historical baggage of the left, even if you have like a lot of people in the room who want to talk, maybe, who are interested in, in, in the question of socialism. Maybe this is like, this probably is international. I can see a lot of the old left in the DSA. So maybe it's not that much explicit as we can find it in the founding moment of Die Linke. Maybe the founding moment of Die Linke is very exemplary to form a party with the old left as PDS, former SED, the new left with these social movements and um, disenchantment of these red-green governments which is um, what we talked about, the institutionalization of the K-groups in the new left. And then more recent, these anti-austerity protests, which might be the new thing as anti-neoliberal formation in this specific moment and recapitulation of this history and also repetition of all this history. So the DSA forms itself also in an anti-Stalinism democratic socialism instead of this anti-democratic socialism that we have seen in the Soviet Union. And in the same way, this is the founding moment for some people who do, did come from the GDR politicization that wanted to form a more democratic socialism than the Soviet Union was. And this was the motivation to go into Die Linke in a way. Um, so we have this anti-Stalinism continued, in a way, expressed in Die Linke. Well, it's at least interesting that it seems to be confusing, more confusing now to people in Die Linke than it was back in the day. Like, for example, this question of Stalinism and what it means is very, like, present still. People, like, talk about, like, like we were trying to build this project after Stalinism, which is also, like, non-Stalinist, which has to work through those, like, through things, in a way, that has to, like live in a post-Stalinist world and also not become Stalinist itself. And I think this moment in a way is really past us. Uh, like people, like it's talking about the link today is, is even, I think people from the link these days are even less clear about that. Like for, for example, another example, when we had Michael Brie from like Rosa Luxemburg Foundation, which is like the party foundation of the Linke on our panel in Berlin last year, um, also the, the Reform Revolution Resistance panel, he got really like kind of like GDR nostalgic, just like talking about like state measures. So it's really unclear what what this relationship to Stalinism is. Like it's kind of nostalgic, but it also, what, what do we make with this? And like, 
in those interviews in the PR, people seemed at least about that question quite conscious. Like it's really about democratic socialism in Die Linke. It's about uh, like not shoot, not shooting people. <laughs> I found quite interesting Wolfgang Gerke, mm -hmm. who says that like there was this moment like where you know the whole SED people who still wanted to do politics like would have like joined the SPD, but. You know, the SPD didn't want them to join because they feel like, okay, we are swamped with all these like crazy like GDR Stalinists and we don't want them in our party with like 150, 200,000 new members. So there's this like, you know, there's this like, okay, maybe they could have joined like the SPD, you know, it's it's not that that different at this moment, right? And so it's more reaction towards like, okay, they don't want us. Kind of the same thing happens in a way reactive, like in the 2000s with like the leftists in the SPD then. There's also like the Trotskyists there who were, you know, entrists, for example, Marx 21, which is the German Cliffites and also Socialist Alternative, who was then uh, Voran. And uh, the Clippites were Linksruck, you know, they were like in this cosmos of the SPD and the uh, young socialists. And then there were like all these, you know, leftists who were still in the unions. And so, you know, th th they were pushed back in this moment of 2010, the neoliberal reforms like set into motion by um, the SPD government. So there's this kind of like, you know, they, they're like repulsed by the SPD, which is kind of similar to the starting point of the uh, SDS in the 1960s, like the beginning of the 1960s, where like the, you know, the SDS were like thrown out. They were the student organization of the SPD. They were thrown out and with them like old old leftists, like for example, Wolfgang Abendroth, who was this like teacher of um, Georg Filbert. He was also thrown out because he still like had contact with them. And so they were like going on the march and over this like whole generation, like the millennial left, they were like joining the SPD again and institutionalized in like the Green Party and all these like other institutions that we have since then. And so we have like also similar, like, you know, then there came like this like whole generational arc of the early 2000s, which in Germany was mostly like big summits. And also we have like this moment of the rediscovery of like this party question with electioneering with Syriza in 2014-15. And then there came this Corbyn DSA. And in Germany, it was like also SPD and Die Linke. And millennials coming to the front, like Kevin Kuhnert in the SPD. And in, um, also we had like uh, Janine Whistler, who was on our first German panel, who is now the head of Die Linke. Because we talked about the legacy of Stalinism and how the Stalinism does survive in Die Linke and is continued in a way. I have one quote from an interview with Katja Kipping about her time of her life in Die Linke and um, the hot autumn came to speak. 
And uh, she was asked, do Linke promise a hot autumn and social protest? These fail to materialize because the federal government has shown the price increases with relief measures. Instead of a hot autumn, just hot air. And she answered, no, the threat of a hot autumn alone has obviously had an effect. In the beginning, many have already forgotten there was a gas price allocation before the, the gas price cap. So the price cap is the merit of Die Linke. And she said, prove me wrong. <laughs> so that said... Maybe she would be right. Like, maybe she's right. Maybe she did like Die Linke really did pressure the SPD. And then there's this question like, okay, who, whose victory is this really? It's politics, not policies. It's who does it, not what is done, you know? So it's clearly a victory for the SPD and not for the yes. um, Just on a final note to this. And so this is like, it's, it's not about like, okay, maybe they did pressure them, but what does this really amount to in the end? You know, just final note to this, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Great talking to you. And see you soon, hopefully. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for having us. Hey, why are we here today? Uh, we're here because we're um, trying to break away from the left party because we think the left party isn't a place anymore where the masses radicalize themselves and we need a new organization to overthrow capitalism. And why is now the right time to break with Linke? Because the left party showed the, um, the last two years that it more shift the right, like they were pro and military, that like more pro and NATO, like voices who support the Ukraine war or like the like sending uh, weapons and military and we think that I mean the left party was always a very ref reformist party it was never a revolutionary one and the last two years it shows more and more that it has not um, the capacity to and um, to uh, it's not a place for us to work anymore and what are your hopes out of this conference well I personally hope that we will break away from the party with a, with a good um, final statement where we all agree on and then the next important step is like what we do now, like we build a new party, like a revolutionary party and that's my hope that we will make a clean cut with a new um, party and uh, program. Um, I'm here today to discuss and talk about differences in the left, like in leftist organizations. On top of that, differences in leftist Trotskyist organizations. Do you think, why do you think now is a good time to discuss this? Mm, I think it's a very good time because we see more and more that the Linke basically breaking inside of themselves and they're holding on to a strategy that is very equal to the strategy of most of the other parties 
here in Germany. And I think it's not really democratic or it doesn't have that much democratic sense. My hopes is that most of the people here can progress in some kind of way and can progress even more after the conference and go a little bit more open-minded after all this. Try to organize more together or not only organize but also discuss. Does the left need more unity? Well, that's a good question. I think yes, but that also will come more and more from itself, the dynamic from itself, because the situation is getting worse and worse worldwide. Probably just a matter of time. I am here today because I was a part of the uh, Linksjugendzolle, the youth uh, group of the left party. And I had the feeling that we are spending a lot of time to um, argue with each other, but we don't have a common basis. Like, the, I had the feeling that the left, um, the youth group of the left party, Linksjugendzolid, was not active in campaigns, was not really seen on the streets. And I also have the feeling that the left party is not the party we need, like it's, it doesn't have a perspective. So I left Linksjugendzolid like a year ago and now I'm really interested in this process happening that other people think also we need to leave and I think the left party has shown that it like they are sending away people from other countries back to their home countries. They are supporting police violence in Berlin and I think that now this crisis of the left party is really um, you can see it very openly. So I think it's a chance that many more people realize that the left party is not the solution for the problems we have. I think that this conference can be a starting point to form like a new force, that we can have a real left organization who's strong enough to fight for our goals, who's strong enough to reach their goals, who have a common strategic basis on important points, and then we can be stronger and fight for our goals. Yeah, that's why. Well, I'm here today because I think that especially for the German youth, it's important to find new ways of, of organization since the, the left party and its youth organizations have failed us in the last 15 years. And I think now it's the right time to put an end to this, break with those organizations and try to build a new one with a more coherent strategy that will lead the youth towards socialism. Why is now the right time? Uh, well, I think there are lots of reasons. One of them is that the left party is in a huge crisis, which showed at the last federal election where they hardly got into parliament again. And at the same time, we're living through a tremendous economic and social crisis due to the pandemic and the war uh, and inflation caused by the war, etc. And left parties totally unable to organize and gather protests and, and strikes and to lead the German workers and the youth and all oppressed parts of society um, in the fight against this crisis. Uh, I think the best thing that we can hope for is those are two things. I think it's some clarity um, on the differences between the organizations that uh, came together today. 
but also the, the, the things we have in common with each other uh, politically and find ways to cooperate, but also to know why we're organized in different organizations. I think that's an important step towards the foundation of a, a, a socialist party in Germany in the future. Great. Thank you very much. The Platypus Affiliated Society organizes reading groups and public fora focused on problems and tasks inherited from the old, new and post-political left for the possibilities of emancipatory politics today. Platypus publishes articles in our English and German-speaking public fora in print, the Platypus Review. The Platypus Review hopes to create and sustain a space for interrogating and clarifying positions and orientations currently represented on the left, a space in which questions may be raised and discussions pursued that would not otherwise take place. If you want to learn more about Platypus or find your local chapter to participate in our activities or to get access to our archive, please visit our website, which is platypus1917.org. That is the word platypus followed by 1917.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye.